We are in Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin in verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it is meaning and its meaning and is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting amongst us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it is, for it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this chance to come and fellowship with one another. Lord, to, to hear from our brothers and sisters and to care for them. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross of we have uh, we get to remember this, this day. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done for each and every one of us, every blessing that we've uh, received both individually, Lord, and corporately as well. Lord, I pray that you would bless the rest of our service we have today. Lord, give Pastor Doug strength of voice uh, that he is lacking. Lord, be his, his voice today. Lord, we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God, it is with great confidence the song that we sang earlier that we can come before your throne. No one can tell us we can't. Even the forces of darkness have no jurisdiction over when or where we can come to your throne. They must remain silent. For the way has been paved by our Savior. And in Jesus Christ, we rejoice in knowing full well that our God hears and answers prayer. We lift up to you, our dear brother Troy. It has been a storm. It's been a storm in his life and a storm in his family's life. And they are just trusting in you and waiting for your power to overshadow the whole situation and raise Troy up for your glory. How we ask our God that you would soon Intervene in the life of your child, Troy. Thank you for protecting him. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for the progress that has been made. But there's greater progress that still needs to be made. 
And God, you're the only one who can part the sea. I pray, oh God, that by your power and for your own glory and through your own will, we ask that you would raise him up. Oh, we will praise you. We will praise you, oh Lord God, no matter what the situation may have in store for us. But we praise you, God, that you are in control. As well as for Bill and Shelby and David, we're with them, though parted by miles, but not by heart. Our hearts have already been connected to this little boy that we've not yet seen personally. Though maybe by pictures some of us have received. But yet it will be great to see him as he walks in with his mom and dad, Bill and Shelby. How I ask, oh God, that you would expedite the situation in Bogota. That Bill and Shelby and David will be on their way home even before next weekend. We leave that to you. But may all things work together for good. To those that love God, to those that are called according to your purpose, O oh Father. And may you bring about a peace. A peace in the Harris family. A peace in the Troutman family. And bring about a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And we would commit these things to the one true living God who reigns forever and ever, our great Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord and King. Amen. The passage this morning has been introduced not necessarily by the reading of Pastor Steve, but by the events that have set forth in the scriptures. Jesus has already sent Peter and John to go and prepare the place. They've accomplished that task. In verse 22, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 22 and verse 14, it says, when the hour came. Up to this point, throughout the Gospels, Jesus mentioned more times than what we can maybe count of the phrase, my time has not yet come. Events have not yet been finalized. There's still something else that I need to be doing and be a part of. Those statements now are culminated in verse 14. Now the time has come. 
It speaks of the sovereignty of our God. And it speaks of the willingness of our Savior. God has established this particular time in this particular way for a very specific purpose that he sent forth his son to be the sacrifice for our sin. It's one thing that God leads us sovereignly in our lives. We can look back on all of our lives and see how God has instituted things and put things in place just the way that he's demanded. But then we are faced with a decision. And the decision is, will I accept it? Will I accept it? Jesus, as the willing sacrifice, as the Apostle Paul records for us in Philippians chapter 2, willingly, was willing. He humbled himself even to the point of the cross because that's what he came to do. This passage, as well as in the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, highlight this feature for us. The feature is, is that the Passover celebration is about to be changed. It's about now to become very personal. It's about to become, if you will, very contagious in and of itself. Because here, Jesus is laying the foundation for what is yet to come, known as the church. Up to this time, the only ones who could celebrate the Passover would have been those who followed the Jewish tradition. We understand through history, even in the book of Exodus, where the first initiation of the Passover was for the purpose of being to set free the captives of the Israelites from Egypt. Pharaoh, in his hard-heartedness and stiff-neckedness, declared that he would not let them go. But God had a plan. It cost Egypt their firstborn. Then they relinquished and released. With that in mind, we come to this particular passage and we find ourselves not that the Egyptians are going to be satisfied, but that God is. For it is here that God's Lamb, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John says in chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God. Now he is about to suffer and die. There is some contention in these passages. 
Because you'll notice that at the beginning, it says then in verse 7, then the day of unleavened bread came into being. What is he talking about? During the time of the celebration of what is coming up to the Passover, there was to be a period of seven days of eating unleavened bread. Again, it was to be, if you will, a memorial to the fact that the houses had to be cleaned out. There could not be any more leaven in the house because we're getting ready for the holiest of days. Sin had to go in order to stand before a righteous God at the temple. But Jesus, as the Lamb of God, changes all of that. He begins by, if you will, the, the, the correlation, or at least the problem is, is that the Passover was not supposed to be done until it would be celebrated on Friday. Prior to the Sabbath day. And so we may conjecture that Jesus is instituting it differently because he's celebrating it earlier. The disciples had no idea until Jesus began to utilize the elements. To point to a greater meaning. We're told in the passage as well in many other passages. That Jesus began by saying. Take this wine and pass it among you. For I myself. Will not partake of it. Until we meet for the big party. In glory. Uh, draws our attention very quickly to the fact that there is a greater day coming, dear people. <laughs> no, my tractor did not win the prize. But there's a greater prize awaiting in glory. And then normally about the, the, the Passover course was a, usually between a four and five course meal. At the third course, Jesus took the bread and he began to break it and he passed it around. And as he passed it, he said to his disciples something that I'm sure caused them to say, huh? When he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. After that, there would have been another cup upon which Jesus would not partake of. He was to supply it. But he was not going to partake of it. He said, this wine now is the blood of the new covenant that I will establish. 
Oh, you got to go back to Jeremiah 31 and verse 31 to understand what the new covenant's all about. But in this particular passage, the disciples are now caught wondering, what does all of this mean? Have you ever found yourself in life like that? What does all of this mean? What does this COVID stuff mean? What a life situation, what does it all mean? God, what are you doing? I believe he's doing now what he did there to remind us there's a better day coming. There are three facets that I just want to highlight quickly and my time is gone. But I need three facets of this particular is this. First of all, it is a metaphorical meaning similarities. Jesus said, this bread, my body. This blood, my body. My death. Similar. No, this does not magically become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is a memorial. It is symbolic, if you will. Yes, the wafer does represent the body of Christ who willingly gave for himself physically upon the cross. And yes, the grape juice does represent the blood of Christ. Literally, if you will, the physical taking care of the spiritual. Washing us white as snow through the blood of Christ. Not only is it metaphorical, but it's also sacrificial. Because Jesus both times said, I give. Jesus himself said, I lay down my life. You can't take it from me. You can't force God's hand in this. I lay it down. And God will raise it up. It's a sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews is so clear when he says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And then Paul highlights the fact that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become children of the living God. Sacrificed for us. And lastly, it's a memorial. Jesus doesn't mention the words here, but the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says, For as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes, anticipating the great day. I could think of no better day then even right now as we're partaking of this, that Jesus would, the trumpet would blow. Can you imagine people coming into this church finding grape juice stains all over the carpet, empty containers laying down. Where'd everybody go? We went home because there's a better meal yet awaiting, amen. There's a better meal awaiting. Jesus said, 
This represents our freedom in Christ. So as the instructions, if you're here for the first time and have never tried to manage this, good luck. Instructions are on the board for you. But carefully, carefully, you got to get a hold of that horrible taste and wafer. Without, oh, good Lord, have mercy. Okay, I'm just going to make believe I'm going to take that. I'll get to the juice. I can't get to my wafer. It's all wrapped up in there. I don't know. Honey, can you help me? Can you come up here and do this for me? Why don't you just bring me yours? You got yours all ready to go? Here, let me change it, honey. Give me this wafer. Amen. You got that? You got this just ready to go? Okay, good. Thank you. After 47 years, she should expect stuff like this. That being set aside, when Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this. Take this. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Then after the bread, after the supper, the last cup would have been taken. And Jesus said, this cup is a New Testament in my blood. Take, drink all of it as a memorial to what Jesus has done for us and in anticipation of him coming again. Let us partake. Our gracious Savior, no greater gift could be given than that which satisfies the holiness of God the Father. And God the Son willingly took it upon himself as he came with the purpose to die upon a cross for the payment of our sin. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this morning as we have partaken of a little piece of wafer, a sip of juice, and yet we instantly have identified ourselves with millions around this world 
who are part of the family of God. We do this in remembrance of our Savior. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again for us. Thank you of the great day when you come to call us home. Until that day, we will continue to do this in remembrance of our Savior. For it is in his precious name that we say hallelujah and thank you. Amen.